0: Well, I want to welcome everyone today, Uh, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. Honored to have you with us. And uh, also, want to to take a moment, as I do every single week, and look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry right here in our county jail at CCNO, in one of the 400 prisons across our nation, and even in the the, uh, country of Belize, in the Belize Central Prison. We love you. We believe in you. Come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. Well, we are starting a brand new relationship series today called Revive, bringing relationships back to life. And I want to start off by taking a look at a passage of Scripture to kind of set the tone for our time today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul says this, now we look inside, on the inside of who we are, on the inside of our hearts, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, anyone that is united with Jesus, gets a fresh start, is created new. How many know that's good news? The old life is gone, a new life emerges. Where does it emerge from? On the inside of who we are. Look at it. And all this comes from the God who settled. Everybody say settled. Settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Now that word settle literally means to reconcile, to restore, to revive. In other words, our relationships matter. I like to say it like this. Our relationship decisions are some of the most important decisions that we will ever make in our lives, starting first and foremost with our relationship with God, that we wouldn't just believe in God, that we would know him. That we would have a relationship with God, that we would be united with him. And then once we've settled our relationship with God and been reconciled and revived and restored to him, then we could start settling our relationships with one another. Which is why we started the whole year out in 2023 as a church with 21 days of prayer and and fasting. And the whole month of January, we, we talked about praying first and putting God first settling our relationship with God. And as we move into the month of February, we're going to start focusing on settling our relationships with one another. And so next week, we're going to talk about uh, our marriage relationships. And then in week number three, we're going to talk about being single and our dating relationships. Come on, single people. And then in in week number four, we're going to talk about our family relationships. But Today, I kind of wanted just to lay a foundation for where we're going in the next several weeks. I want to talk to us about the importance of godly relationships. You know, we have a saying around here that we didn't create, but we we certainly adopted to help us kind of remember how important our relationships are, and that is simply, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. In fact, the Bible says uh, it pretty clearly that if you show me the closest people in your life, those people are, are who we're going to be in the next few years. We could even say that our relationships are prophetic. Not pathetic. Maybe some of our relationships are pathetic, but, but prophetic. Like they're a walking prophecy of who we'll become. Now, for a lot of us, if we would just start looking at our relationships like that, we might not be so quick to surround ourselves with some people, and we actually might be more intentional about surrounding ourselves with other people. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter how strong of an individual we think that we are. It doesn't matter how much willpower we, we think we might have. The Bible is clear that we will always be a product of the people In our life. In fact, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make and one of the the biggest struggles that, that we can have is who we should bring into our lives and who we should leave out. In fact, a lot of our relationships aren't intentional, they happen more by chance. For example, I just so happened to work with this this individual and these people. I see them every day, and so we just started doing life together. Or or our kids are on the same uh, youth sports team, and so we just started hanging out together. Or we live in the same neighborhood. Or we have the same last name, and we can't get rid of them. Come on, somebody, right? (laughs) But our relationships... They're not as they're not very intentional. They just happen more by chance. But but let me just say this to us today. Our relationship decisions will have the greatest impact on our spiritual growth more than any other decision that we make. Come on, let me say that again, I feel like someone needs to hear that besides me. Our relationship decisions will have the greatest impact on our spiritual growth more than any other decision that we make. Here's what I mean. It's not a coincidence we started hanging out with that person or or, or those people or we started dating that person where God's not really a priority to them, they don't really care what God thinks, they're not really pursuing God. It's not a coincidence that we're not pursuing God like we used to. It's not a coincidence that God's not a priority to us like he used to be. And the flip side is true as well. It's not a coincidence that we started hanging out with these people who are passionate about God, who are pursuing God, who care what God thinks. It's not a coincidence that we're pursuing God like never before, that we know God in in a way we've never known him before because our relationship decisions will have the greatest impact on our spiritual growth more than any other decision we make. And so with that said, I just kind of want to start the message out today by By talking to to us about people, we need to be intentional about bringing into our lives and then people we need to be intentional about maybe having boundaries or even possibly leaving out of our lives. In the Bible, King Solomon, known as the wisest man to ever live, wrote the book of Proverbs and in the book of Proverbs, he talked about three types of people or we could say three types of behavior and they are wise foolish, and evil. It's important for us to know that mistaking a person in one category by thinking they're in another category will cause some of the greatest pain and problems in our lives. In fact, as I look back over the course of, uh, of my life, I can see this reality. Like some of the the hardest, most difficult, painful, dysfunctional time of my life, if I look at the people that I was hanging out with, it's not a coincidence I was going through what I was going through. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm the one that made those decisions. I'm the one that made those choices. But it's not a coincidence, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. On the the flip side of that, it's not a coincidence that some of the the most fulfilling, joyful, happy, purposeful times of my life, if I look at the people who are in my life, it's not a coincidence that happens, because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So as we kinda just unpack these these different types of maybe behaviors, I want us to kinda go on this journey of of assessing our own lives. lives. And so let's start with the first category Solomon talks about in Proverbs. He talks about wise people or wise behavior. I want us to know that wisdom is not the same thing as intelligence. There are very intelligent, foolish people in the world today. How many know that to be true? And on the flip side, there are very unintelligent, wise people in the world today, too. And so wise doesn't mean smart, but instead, wise people are humble. Wise people are grateful. Wise people are godly. In fact, Proverbs chapter one, not in your notes, but Solomon said, he opens the entire book off with saying the, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we just, what do we do? We, we ask ourselves, who in our lives has an awe and respect for God? Who, who in our lives is passionate about God's word? Who, who in our lives cares about what God thinks and is pursuing him? And if we look at our lives and if we would say, man, there's not a lot of people in my life who, who have this awe and respect for God. There's not a lot of people in my life who are pursuing God and love his word and And we might have some intelligent people in our lives, but we don't have very many wise people in our lives. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16 says this, the wise fear the Lord and shun or stiff arm evil. And so a wise person doesn't just walk in submission to God, they walk in obedience to God too, And one of the biggest ways that we can tell the difference between a wise person and maybe someone who is foolish or or even evil is when they have to be corrected. Like, Like everybody looks wise when they're getting praised or complimented, but how many of us know our hearts are revealed when we're corrected? Parents, do we know this to be true when we correct our children? All right, we can see where their heart is simply by correcting them. Everything's good when, when, when they're obeying, but when you have to correct them, we get to see where their, their hearts truly are. How many of us know the same is true with us and our Heavenly Father? When we're corrected, our hearts are revealed. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, not, not in your notes, but it says, Rebu- a rebuke a fool in his folly, and they will hate you. Correct a wise person, and they'll love you. Because a wise person has humility, and they realize they don't know everything yet. They don't have it all figured out yet, and so when they get corrected or something gets pointed out in their life, they're able to receive it because their pride's not hurt and they they wanna get better as an individual. How many of us know these are the people we wanna surround ourselves with? Those who have an awe and respect for God, those who are pursuing God, those who are humble, those who are grateful, those who who are godly. These are the people I want to be intentional, not by chance, intentional about surrounding myself with. The second type of behavior that Solomon talks about in the book of Proverbs is is foolish behavior. Now, a foolish person isn't wise, but they're also not evil. You know, oftentimes a foolish person is just deceived. Like like their hearts might be desiring to know God and to to serve God, but, but maybe they've been discipled more by culture than by Christ, Like they might love God, but but still believe some wrong things and still do some wrong things. And one of the biggest mistakes a foolish person makes is that they try to adjust truth so that they don't have to adjust to it. And a foolish person will, will blame and make excuses, minimize, rationalize, justify, and never really own the real issue or take responsibility for it. Know anybody like that? Don't elbow your neighbor right now, not good. But because a foolish person is deceived and they have a hard time owning their their own mistakes and taking responsibility for it, they tend to make the same mistake over and over and over again. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11 says this, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. So when it comes to foolish people or or foolish behavior, we want to make sure that we have proper boundaries in place so that we influence them and they don't influence us. That's the proper uh, posture to take towards someone who's got some foolish behavior going on. They don't influence us. No, we have boundaries to the point where we influence them. And then the third kind of type of behavior Solomon talks about in the book of Proverbs is is evil behavior. Let me say it like this, evil, an evil person isn't deceived, they're deceitful. Like they reject God's word and they place their opinions and their perspectives above God. I mean, they're wise in their own eyes. They believe that their beliefs trump anything that God says. Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16, he says, for evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. And they can't rest until they've caused someone else to stumble. You see, an evil person isn't deceived, they're deceitful. And here's the thing about deceitful people, they don't just do evil, they conv- convince other people to do it too. And they mock anyone who stands for truth and godliness. And when it comes to, to evil people or evil behavior, we need to be intentional about keeping our distance. I want to make sure that I'm not positioning myself around people or putting myself in places that's going to bring pain and problems into my life. And some of the greatest relational pain, as we just kind of unpack those those three types of behavior that Solomon talks about, some of the the greatest relational pain that we will experience in our lives will more than likely come from miscategorizing somebody. I mean, think about it. We've been in a dating relationship with so-and-so or we, we, we brought these friends into our lives and we, we miscategorized them. We, we thought they were wise, but they turned out to be foolish. And we, instead of influencing them, they're influencing us. And if we treat evil people as being wise or foolish and we bring them closer to us, a couple things happen. They influence us to do harm and they bring destruction and chaos into our lives. And then, and then what, what we can make the mistake of doing is, is keep wise people at arm's length from us at a distance because they don't tell us what we want to hear. Anybody ever done that? They're not telling me what I want to hear, and so they're against me, and they're not for me, and they're judging me, and they're criticizing me. You know all the justifications that we can come up with, but the reality is we just want what we want, and they're not telling me what I want to hear and so I'd rather have a foolish person or even evil person get close to me because they're telling me what I want to hear and that wise person who's telling me what I need to hear, I'm keeping them at an arm's distance. And just, you, I might be a little fired up about this today. I know that's not usual. Might be a little passionate today. Come back next week, I won't be nearly as passionate next week. But I'm passionate about this because it's, it's such a reality in our world. And so often our relationships just happen by chance. I'm I'm a, I'm hanging out with these people because they're popular. Or, or, or because I'm dating this person because they smell good and they make me feel good. That's why I started dating Pastor Justina. She smelled good. <laughs> hey, it can start there, it just can't end there, right? Gotta do some more investigating. But our, our relationships, it, it just if they happen by chance, how I many know it's a it's a risk we can't take. Why? Because show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Our relationship decisions are the most important decisions that we will ever make. We can't leave it to chance. I like to say it like this: Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. How many of us know we want to be people of purpose? No, I know how I got here. I started surrounding myself with wise people. I started having proper boundaries with foolish people, and I I, got, I stayed away from evil people. Right. I know how I got here. I know how my marriage is successful. I know how I'm walking in success. I know why godliness is important to me because I'm surrounding myself with the right people. And so here's what we can do. We can stop and we can pray and we can ask the Holy Spirit, who in our lives is a wise person that we should move towards? And who in our lives is a foolish person that we need to speak into and influence them, not let them influence us and Holy Spirit, show us who is an evil person that we might need to move away from. Another level we can pray is, Holy Spirit, who in my life have I miscategorized? And I don't even realize, why is this so important? Well, because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. In other words, we're gonna walk like whoever we walk with. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here in this passage of scripture, Solomon is helping us not make the mistake of just focusing on our condition, but helping us realize our condition is downstream from our community. That if we would focus on getting our community right, then our condition would follow. This is why church is so important. Because how many of us know church isn't a building to go to, it's a family to belong to. Which means that church is less about showing up to a religious service and more about doing life with one another. Being a part of a community of people who desire to know God in a greater way and put him first in our lives. Once again, this is why small groups are so important. We like to say around here that we're not a church with small groups, we're a church of small groups. It's how we do life together. Small groups isn't just something we do on the side. No, it's who we are. Now as I talk about small groups, I just wanna address what some of us might be thinking in the room today, that maybe we're an introvert and going to to someone's house that we don't know to be around people we've never met. That sounds a lot like what hell's going to be like for us. right? Or going over to a stranger's house and, and sharing our stuff. We don't want to do that. But I, I just want to address the, the, the reality that it's not going to be perfect. Like, there's going to be weird people there. And if you don't think there are weird people there, they're there. Trust me, I promise you, they are there. Right? That, that's just part of it. We have to understand, that's just part of being a part of a family, getting involved with people, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's, it's messy, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it's always necessary, and it's always important, and so I'm going to challenge us today and say that many of us, man, we need to get into a small group to do life together. And so I just wanna give us three things that our small groups do here at Experience Church. If you're taking notes, the first thing is is simply this, that our small groups are a community of grace and truth. Grace and truth. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse seven. He says, you have a permanent place in my heart. This connection, right, that doing a life together, You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God. What we're gonna discover that when we get into a small group and we get around other people, we're gonna discover that we all have issues. In fact, we like to say around here, we all got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, man, that is your issue because we all have it. We all have issues. But with those issues, we also need a safe place to belong We need a safe place to believe, and we need a safe place to go where we can deal with our issues so our issues stop dealing with us. That we would receive God's grace for our yesterdays, but then apply God's truth to our tomorrows. This is why small groups are so important because we get around other imperfect people who have problems, who have a past, and we go on this journey to, together to support each other, to pray for one another, and to be there for one another just like God intended for us to be. Because here's what I know, that we'll walk in someday with our own version of, of something because we all got stuff, we all got problems, and we all got issues, and what you need to know is that you're welcome. You're welcome with your questions. You're welcome with your problems. You're welcome with your doubts. You're welcome with your hurts. You're welcome with your addictions. You're welcome with your baggage. You are welcome. Isn't that how God loves us? Just come as you are. Just come as you are. Just come in. right? He is not he clean this up before. We, ca- we don't clean the fish before we catch the fish, Right? We catch it first. We do life together first. And as we just simply go on this journey with Jesus and we get around some other believers who are passionately pursuing God, all of a sudden God begins to chip away at some of the things that don't belong in our hearts and in our lives. How many of us know it's a journey, not one of condemnation, but, but one where we're inspired, man, I can't stay here. I want all that God has for me. But what we'll discover as we enter into this small group is that Everybody else is kind of broken, too. We all got stuff. And that's why it's a community of grace, forgiveness for our past. But also it's a community of truth, God's plan for our future. The second thing that, that small groups are here at Experience Church, because we're a church, right, not with small groups. We're a church of small groups, is that small groups are a community that brings healing, brings healing, a lot of people don't realize that we go to God for forgiveness, but God designed it in such a way that we would do life with one another by by confessing our our mistakes and our sin, our needs and our hurts to others, to one another, and in that community, in that place, God heals us on the inside of our hearts. James says it like this in James chapter 5, verse 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We come into this community of God's people and we pray with one another. We we do life with one another and we're transparent and we're open. And All of a sudden, God begins to do a healing work in our hearts. I'll never forget several years ago a guy in my small group, just as we were kind of sharing and just talking, we were eating some food, because food's always better when you're hanging out in small groups, I'm just saying, and we're just kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden, we've been meeting for a few weeks, and he just, out of the blue, said, enough is enough. I'm tired of faking it. Of course, at this point, we're like, what, you know, what's going on? We didn't expect this. This was someone who just, he looked like he had it all together and, and was really doing good, and he said, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of pretending like everything is okay. I've been struggling with alcohol for several years and been hiding it from everyone. I'm, I'm looking at things online that I know I shouldn't be looking at, and I'm so, I've been so worried about what other people might think, but I'm tired of living this way. I'm miserable, and it was beautiful in that moment because he just took a risk. How I mean, he took a chance. He kind of put himself out there, of something that he didn't want anybody else to know. He finally just got real. Enough was enough. David talked about it in Psalms 32. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. But when, I, but when I brought things to the life, God saved me and loved me and forgave me and renewed me and healed me. And So in this moment, this guy takes a risk. But the beautiful moment was the response of all the other guys in the room. Because one guy's like, man, I, I used to struggle like that for a long time. I know exactly what you're going through. Someone else said, man, I, I've been there. Other guy said, I'm struggling with those things too. And all of a sudden, man, we just laid hands on him and prayed for him and encouraged him. Then some other guys just said, hey, let's set up a text thread. We're going to text each other every single day. I mean, because it's not about just meeting together once a week. It's about doing life together. So all of a sudden, we're texting one another every morning in the scripture, some encouragement. Guys are going out to eat, doing stuff outside of group together. And we're just doing life together. And lo and behold, a few weeks, months, even years later, he found freedom he found freedom, and he found forgiveness, and he found healing, and he found life. And I thought, man, that's, that's the church. That's the church right there. That, that's what God has called us to do, to do life together in a community of, of grace and truth and in a community that brings healing. Like what used to grip that guy in the shadows became powerless in the light when he exposed it. And that's what our small groups are all about. And then, and then finally, number three, the third thing our small groups do is it's a community on mission. Come on, we have divine purpose. We have divine calling from our Heavenly Father. And I think there's a great example of, of how the, the early church did life together. They gathered in the temple we could say church on Sundays, but they also gathered in their homes, in community. It wasn't, it wasn't and or, it was both, right? It was both. It's, take a look, Acts chapter two, verse 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That food must have been good. Praising God. And what did God do? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like this wasn't just a little small group where they said, us four and no more. No, nobody else gets in. We love Jesus, but we don't love you. No, 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 no. This was a community that loved Jesus in such a way that others wanted what they had and they, and they were added to their number daily. Daily. In fact, in the New Testament, there are 59 different verses about the mission that God has given to us about doing life together. Let's take a look at them all right now. I'm just joking. I'm just teasing. Let's take a look at five of them. Five of them. It's important for us to know that we can only live these out by doing life together, not by ourselves together in community. The first one is we're called to serve one another. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. How many know the greatest among us serve? Something powerful happens when it's not all about us. When I come alongside and serve and make a difference in somebody else's life, we're called to show hospitality to one another. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9. I'm talking about the church today. When's the last time we had someone over to our house who didn't know God? We had them over for dinner, and we shared a meal together. When was the last time we had people over to pray together, to worship God together? I mean, we're called to to be hospitable towards one another. Also, the church is called to be kind to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. How many know it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance? And how many know if God was kind to us, he's calling us to be kind to one another and to others? Be kind to one another. God's called us to encourage one another. Anybody else need some encouragement today? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't care where you've been. Come on, I care about where you're going. Yes, you can. I need some yes, you can people in my life to come alongside me when I'm discouraged, when I'm depleted, when I feel defeated and say, Yes, you can. Come on, this is the church. This happens in relationship, doing life together in small groups and then. Finally, we're also called to carry one another's burdens. Galatians chapter six, verse two. None of us were meant to do life on our own. I always try to remind myself, I didn't get myself here by myself, and I won't get myself there by myself. I mean, we're better together. And so I just, there's just this call as we start this relationship series, the call for the church to be the church. Church isn't a building to go to, it's a family to belong to, that we're called to do life together. And some of us here today, God never, God never intended for us to, to go through what we're going through alone. Some of us today, we, we know there's more to this life than what we're living. I wanna encourage us today that, that we wouldn't focus so much on our condition, but we would take a step back and look at our community knowing that our, commu- our condition is downstream from our community. Who in my life do I need to surround myself with? Do I have some wise people that I've been intentional about surrounding myself with? M- maybe for some of us, we actually have some wise people around us, but we've not tapped into their wisdom. They're around us, but we need to bring them closer. What do you think about this? What would you do? We need to allow them to have a voice to speak into our lives. That was me for several years. I was around wise people, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't allow them to speak into me their wisdom. I mean, we gotta invite it. We gotta ask for it. We ask out maybe, who are some foolish people in my life that, that they've been influencing me, but I need to influence them. Maybe some boundaries, some people I need to leave out. They're not going to help me go where God's calling me to go. And let me pursue godly relationships. Let me be the church and do life together. Not just on Sunday, but together, doing life with one another in the beautiful, the beautiful arena of a small group. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place, God. We thank you for the power of relationships. God, I pray just as we come before you today that you would just seal that reality and that truth in our hearts and in our lives. That our relationship decisions are the most important decisions we'll ever make. That our relationship decisions will have the greatest impact on our spiritual growth more than any other decision we make. God, help us be intentional in our relationships, God today as we are praying together with every head bowed and every eye closed and we talk about the importance of godly relationships maybe some of us here today or maybe watching online we need to settle some relationships with each other but first we need to settle our relationship with God come now the Bible says let's settle this thing once and for all maybe Maybe we need to be restored in our relationship with God. We need to be reconciled. We need to be revived. Or maybe we need to, for the very first time, surrender our heart and say, God, I want to know you. Not just believe in you, but to know you and be united with you in a relationship. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. I'm settling my relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to be united with you. I want to have a relationship with you where you're leading me following, right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for your love that never fails. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Here's my heart, what you've always wanted, God. Here's my life. God, forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for who he is. So